Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 289 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Hey, Seth. Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, and uh, we got a kind of interesting list of topics for today. But before we get to that, we have another co-host in Krim. How is it going today, Krim? Going all right. Uh, there's a few few things that have uh, like happened like over the past week uh, with you know like uh, like Amonkhet stuff, and I'm pretty excited to see what happens to historic. Yeah. So our main topics for today, we have we have a few. We're gonna jump around a little bit. First off, uh, we have some spoilers again. We're back in spoiler season. This time, though, for Amonkhet Remastered, a arena-exclusive set. So we just started getting previews for that today. So we want to talk about that, some uh, of the non-Amonkhet cards in specific that are coming, which is an interesting twist on the set. Also want to talk about post-ban Standard and Pioneer. We're now like a week since the big BNR update. Things are changing. Kind of our first impressions of the formats post-banning. Uh, some Double Masters product issues that have been uh, bantied about on Reddit. People have been talking about wanting to get into that a little bit. And then, of course, answer some fish mail. But before we get into that, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And if you've ever tried to buy Lister Magic cards, you know it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hassle. You gotta sort everything. You have to type everything into buy list. You gotta ship everything. Well, Card Conduit it's the easiest way to sell your magic cards, and if you're looking to avoid all those hassles and the time it takes to sell your cards, this new service from the folks at Card Hoarder will sort, grade, and sell your magic cards for you, and once your shipment is processed, you'll get the proceeds minus their fee, and right now, you can get a 10% discount by going to cardconduit.com goldfish. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show, and uh, let's talk some magic, and let's kick things off with the freshest new I guess. Let's talk a little bit about Amonkhet Remastered. So today is the official start of spoiler season, and it's a different spoiler season. They're just kind of dumping the entire set over the course of, I think, three days. It seems like they're roughly going by color, but we've gotten a couple of the colors so far and uh, kind of a lot to talk about. So, Richard, uh, what have we learned so far about Amonkhet Remastered? All right. So... The full list is actually out on the Magic Arena subreddit. Someone data mined the Magic Arena files. However, it's not official. Uh, but today they officially released some of the cards and they matched the cards in the list. So we think it's pretty real. Uh, you can check that out on the Magic Arena subreddit. Uh, but basically they started adding a bunch of new cards uh, that are not originally in Amonkhet. So obviously you have the Amonkhet cards. Cards of note that are not from Amonkhet are Hornet Queen, Sphinx's Revelation, Wrath of God, Thoughtseize, Rest in Peace, Demonic Pact, Collected Company, and Pact of Negation. Yeah. Mm. That's a... And that's Lord of Extinction, if you really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, also, like, uh, Anger of the Gods, I guess, some, like, Perilous Vault, some lower tier stuff. I think it's really interesting that they are adding cards to Amonkhet Remastered. I actually didn't expect that at all because they've done a couple of remix sets in the past on magic online i know one uh one of the main ones was tempest remastered and that was all tempest cards they just kind of like mashed together the block redesigned it for limited uh, but it was everything was originally from the tempest block so it kind of caught me by surprise that they were adding these cards and do you think that's a a positive a negative or doesn't it really matter it it's a positive, right? I mean, it's it's that just means it, and now when we if they do more remastered stuff, 
first off, that means that it isn't, it isn't just a plain old, like, okay, well, we know all the cards that are coming, right? Uh, like, it, and, and I think that's pretty, pretty great for, like, the older formats on Arena. So I, I'm excited to see what happens out of all of that. I'm yeah. going to jump into the future <laughs> and grab a fishmeal question. Genius <laughs> <laughs> double zero. Is Wizards ruining the value proposition of Historic for players who want to play with their old cards uh, by increasing the pool of powerful cards never available in Standard? So it used to be, theoretically, that Historic is the place you play your rotating cards. But nowadays, you need to use up all your wild cards to get all the Historic Anthologies cards, uh, Amaket Remastered. So I don't I don't know. It's, it's a bit weird. Uh, I guess we have the same equivalent in tabletop slash paper. You know, modern is supposed to where uh, supposed to be where you play your standard decks, but now we have modern masters and all these products which you need to go buy. Uh, yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, I think overall it's probably good. It's weird for people trying to play their rotating decks which are no longer viable. Uh, at the same time, it's just hard for deck construction. Like if you're a follower of Magic, you're like, okay, Almond Cat Forward. I roughly know those cards, but then you're like, surprise, Wrath of God is in here. You're like, uh, what was it? Historic <laughs> Anthologies Two again? Like, I don't know. Like, how you deck build? It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, but I, I don't know. As long as the format is healthy, I think I'm okay with all these changes. But it is feel that uh, uh, slightly different. <clears throat> I mean, sorry, I, I think I'm coming down with a hole or something. <laughs> you got you got Hornet Queen now. You can block like four. Oh, yeah, that's block four zombies. That's a lot, of, a lot of zombie blocking. <laughs> um, I think the only thing good from that is that I've gem pom polluted somebody <laughs> thanks to the feel of the dead. I've gotten that W, and that's the only thing I care about. <laughs> I mean, I think going to the fish mail question. While yes, the original intent of historic was a place or at least they marketed as a place you could keep playing your standard cards like oh since your cards have no value we'll give you a format where you can keep playing them obviously that was silly from the start and not ever gonna happen like the fact that anyone believed that you're gonna be able to keep playing your standard cards over the long term that's not how a turtle formats work so really like if you look at modern or even pioneer a huge percentage of the time, it's not like you can just take your rotating standard deck and play it in Modern or Pioneer and have any success with it, or even most of the cards you have from your standard or modern collection. So I don't think that's a problem that's unique to Historic. I think, personally, I like the shakeups to the format, and it keeps me interested. I know... I think that's part of uh, what's happened in, like, Pioneer. We had a very long period with no bannings, and the interest in the format dropped a ton after Theros Beyond Death because we had these top-tier combo decks. People just stopped playing. With Historic in specific, we keep getting new cards on an almost monthly basis now, and I think that keeps the format fresh and interesting. Like, even if the metagame's not that exciting, uh, let's say the metagame got really bad uh, for whatever reason. It's broken by Muxus or Field of the Dead, whatever. It breaks the metagame. I'm still going to be to try to build like a demonic pack deck or something which is another new oh, card yeah. or the other like new cards uh that are coming in Amicat god pharaoh's gift presumably will show up on the list like that's another sweet build around so even if the metagame's not good that's still gonna get me to try out the format and revisit the format so i think it's a positive i basically look at the non-amicat cards as a historic anthologies but 
I think it's better for players than showing up like a normal historic anthologies because you get these cards in your Amaket Remastered packs and as you're drafting them, I assume. Uh, so I think that's more player friendly than having to like buy anthologies by itself. But it makes sense why Wizard said we're not doing anthologies for the rest of the year because essentially these non-Amaket cards in Amaket Remastered, it's basically like a anthologies run that are just happen to be added to the boosters packs. And and because of this, I just want more remastered stuff now, right? Because that just this sounds great. Uh, I and like I I don't know. I mean, I I like that. I mean, I like the the constant shakeup in the format. And this is where you're starting to see, uh, like the, them starting to take advantage of a digital format, oh, like in a digital exclusive format, right? And I and I think I like that. This kind of what I wanted from the beginning. I uh, I don't see why you can't just like go. All right, you know what? I'm bored. Let's add 15 cards to the meta. You know, like just drop 15 new ones. You know, hopefully they all obliterate Feel of the Dead. And, and that, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause we gave them a lot of, of flack for, like, when, when they added, you know, like, what's the goblin already? The, the one that blows up a land, right? Oh, it's like, oh. Rune Blaster, yeah. Yeah, Rune Blaster. Oh, that's, that'll, that'll show the Feel of the Dead decks. It hasn't. It, all, all it has is just shown the mid range decks that, ha, ah, goblins can now keep you off your mid range game plan forever now, right? But like, uh, but, but the thing here is like, yeah, like, this is, this is what I've been wanting from a digital-only format, and I can't wait to see what happens with more of it in the future. So, what do you guys okay. think? So, we're a bit biased. So, as content creators, right, we love uh, fast, evolving metagames because it's just more interesting. There's more content to put out. We don't want, like, a stale meta, so to speak, right? Right. But the cards aren't free, right? We right. all have, like, fully stocked accounts. We have, like, unlimited wild cards and all this because it's our job. What about the average person? Do you think they enjoy this fast-paced, uh, you know, like, historic is changing every, let's say, month or so as they release new cards and new sets? Uh, because not a not too far back, Wizards walked back on faster rotation, right? Like, players did not appreciate the quick turnover. Uh, do you think that's changed now with, like, Arena and the pace of play and all that? Or, like, what do you guys think about that? So I think that Arena does change the equation quite a bit. I think, yes, it's still expensive, and Jumpstart definitely showed just how expensive it can be to get the cards that you need if they are not released in a player-friendly way. Like, there are still Jumpstart decks that I can't build, and I don't actually have any, like, good way of getting the wild cards other than just opening more packs of sets that I already have a complete set of. So there definitely are costs associated with it, but I think it's much less than it was uh, in paper when we had the rotation change. I think that specifically for Historic, that it's fine. I do think that it's pretty painful in standard with the amount of bannings we've had. I think I would prefer to see, personally, I would like to see two rotations again a year now that we're playing primarily in digital, but I would like to see standard be more stable. Uh, cards designed and printed in a way where you don't need to have monthly bannings because I think that's the <laughs> format that you want people to be able to buy into and have accessible. If something like historic isn't as accessible and it's constantly changing, I think that's okay. I think the idea of Historic is it's going to be like the legacy, more or less, of Arena. And then Pioneer will kind of be the the modern of the Arena. Middle. So yeah. I feel like uh, Historic's just going to be an expensive format to keep up with. And it's not going to be for everyone. Most players will probably play Standard. Then some will play Pioneer. And then even fewer will probably play Historic because of the expense of it. 
But I think that's okay that if historic and specific is not the most accessible of formats, as long as formats like standard uh, are stable enough that people are okay with uh, building decks, spending wild cards on them, that's where it gets really painful. When you, I heard people talking about it in regards to the latest bannings, that I think in general the latest bannings went over really good and they were very necessary. But I did see some people saying like, "I spent, I'm a free to play player. I spent all my wild cards to build the Oko deck. Then they banned the Oko." deck and then i ground for two more months to build fires and then they be in the fires deck so i ground for two more months to build uh wilderness reclamation and then they bid wilderness reclamation like why am i even playing this game so i do think that there is a concern for that in standard there there definitely is a concern for that in standard but like i and but with historic i think i uh, obviously it it is it is going to be a little more exp- like 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 Seth said. It is okay to have some of the older formats not accessible, but like I, same time think like this could be the premier format to watch, right? If if they're going digital, like and whatnot, they could shake it up, shake up the format in any way they want. Like I'd mentioned earlier, and I think that's really cool. Uh, so like historic could be the go-to thing to watch for arena when it comes to like watching I don't know esports or anything like that because they if they wanted to they can always keep the meta fresh, and if that comes at the cost, right? It, I mean, at the cost of like you know, like having to spend a few more wild cards. I think I would rather much prefer that, right? I mean, I I would personally because like, but maybe that's because you know, like like Richard had mentioned, we're content creators, so we sit here, we play it all day long, you know, especially like if we stream it too, right? Because like I mean, we make videos and then we also stream the game, so that's like pretty much like almost like ten hour days of just nonstop magic. So obviously, a new meta is always preferred, right? All right, last last question on historic. I promise. We keep saying historic is a digital only format. How long do you think that holds? How long do you think before we have like paper? So assuming we get paper events, period, because currently we don't have paper events. Right. But how long do you think before people are like, yeah, historic, that's a pretty cool format. We have all these arena players. Let's hold a historic Grand Prix. Maybe it upseats Pioneer or Modern or something, right? That was something that I kind of thought about, like, you know, to begin with, right? If the format took off, like how long until they decided they wanted this to be a paper format and like i i don't know i mean like the idea of this being a paper format now that then really could spike the cost right like if they decide <laughs> like that takes away from the whole like well if i just wanted to add 15 cards because it's sunday that you know like th- that's going to totally be different than if it were a digital only format so i i now i'm kind of in the camp of i hope it doesn't become a paper format like ever yeah. It must though, right? Like if, if historic is at all popular on arena, it must eventually migrate its way to paper. No? Like how can it be uh, popular on arena, but no one is like, hey, I have physical cards. Why not try to play with them? Right? Like I, I just I, don't see how that bridge isn't crossed. I feel like it's the economy that'll keep that from happening. Yeah. Like sure, maybe there I'm sure there will be people that play historic in paper. Like I wouldn't be surprised if you have a few people that really like the format. They all go to the same LGS or whatever. They're like, hey, let's, you know, do a historic FM or something. Like I'm sure stuff like that will happen. There will be people that really love historic and build the decks in paper, but I don't think it'll ever be a very popular format in paper because of how it's being managed. It's specifically being managed to be as good as it can be in digital on arena the same things that make me excited about historic on arena like the fact that new cards can be added at any time you never know what's going to show up they can ban cards at any time in a drop of a hat like oh this deck did too well for the last two weeks let's get Winona out of there or whatever like the stuff that makes me love historic 
in digital would also make me never invest in the format in paper. Like, I think it's just a not, like, how could you do it? Like, how financially, how could you, uh, justify spending hundreds of dollars on a format where literally any time with no notice your deck could be invalidated your deck could be banned i i don't think you could do it so i don't think the intent is for historic to ever be a paper format maybe there's a you know if there's enough of a groundswell of organic support from players maybe you get into like a pauper situation where pauper was really designed to be a magic online format but then people started playing it in paper eventually got to the point where there were like side events at magic fest and grand prix maybe you could get that far with historic but i don't think it'll ever be a like premium grand prix pro tour format in paper just wait till double historic masters vip <laughs> boosters, <laughs> triple box toppers the box toppers <laughs> yeah, won't be be curled i guess <laughs> on, on the arena only format so <laughs> Uh, so any other thoughts on, uh, Amicat remastered and so forth, or should we keep moving forward to our other topics? All right. So Krim, you just mentioned, uh, curling of box toppers. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a nice segue into something else we wanted to talk about. So double masters officially came out on Friday. People have been opening it. Uh, I tweeted asking people what they opened. I got some pretty awesome pictures of people getting like the force of will mana crit box topper or whatever. Like some people open some really sweet boxes. However, there's been some bad news with the release, uh, with box toppers being very curled there's been some very horrible pictures of box toppers just <laughs> really really messed up and also there's no wizards uh like insignia or logos or anything on the wrapping so apparently it's really easy for people to reseal them open them up take out the good stuff uh seal them back up uh so what do you think about that aspect of the launch of double masters uh, well, okay, so the resealing thing is obviously never great. I think that is awful. Awful, awful, awful. Um, and of course, the curling, I would be so heartbroken. Like, that, I think that's one of, like, the, the most, like, tense things. Like, when I was, first off, opening my box, right? And, like, the, the box topper pack. You know, like, I was so scared to see it randomly floating somewhere and being bent. <laughs> so, like, luckily, you know, when I opened my thing, it was like, oh, it's in place. It's not, like, a Pringle. Okay, so I was one of the fortunate ones, but like there were people that just weren't fortunate enough to have that. And that is terrifying. And I, we haven't seen them address it. So I am a little concerned about that, right? Like they haven't, have they, I don't know, maybe they have, but I, I haven't read anything yet about them like talking about it. So will they replace it if that happens? You know, like that kind of stuff. Of course not. This is, this has been like a thing for so long, right? Like foils that curl and maybe it comes crisp out of the pack, but. Did you check it this morning, Krim? Is it still straight? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Sandwich it between two textbooks <laughs> to keep your $100 booster rares like flat. Like, I, I don't know why this is an issue. Like, how much are they saving by like doing this? Like, could they not invest in better technology? Like other card games have cards that don't curl, right? Like Wizards has cards that don't curl. I so mean, I don't understand. There's an so extension difficult. of Wizards, right? Pokemon, right? Their foils have been great. Yeah. I, but I like, and that's, that's one of the things, like, I don't know, I, why can't they do that? I mean, I, I, I like, I like how they feel though. The foil, like when they're not curled, like I was fortunate, fortunate enough to like not have that, but like the, the, the way they have it right now, it's like, there's, there's the uh, texture on the foil 
And it, it starts, it's like, it feels like the box toppers are starting to move in the direction of like how the Pokemon cards feel. And I really like that when it's not curled. And I mean, my, my, my normal pack foil has started to curl, right? Like I, I, I like the, what, but my box toppers are fine, but my normal like pack foils that I got are starting to actually really curl and that's starting to get a little annoying. <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously the foil curling has been an issue for a while, but I will say, it's even more unacceptable with a premium product where you're paying 300 some dollars for a booster box. You're paying a hundred dollars for a single VIP booster pack. So the fact that that's happening with a product where you would assume if they're uh, like, even if wizards has some, like I'm sure not great, but some justification about why they can't afford to print better foils for the random $4 pack standard stuff. You would think they could splurge a little bit. If they're selling you a booster for a hundred dollars for a VIP booster, you th- and that booster is primarily foil cards. You would think they could splurge a little bit on that set and make sure that those foils are going to be high quality. So I do think that's a concern. And I do think, I'm a big supporter of Double Masters. I think the actual set of Double Masters is really, really good. And I think it's done a ton to bring down prices of cars people need. Uh, it has good value. All that stuff is great. But everything related to Double Masters has kind of been a disaster. The communication we've talked about in previous podcasts, like not getting important information out to players, or even in some cases, giving players the wrong information only to walk it back in another announcement a few days or weeks later. Uh, We've seen the curling issues. We've seen this resealing issue. Uh, Question for you guys. How much of the, do you, uh, how much of this do you think relates to Wizards? just trying to make too many products like do you think any aspect of this is they just and even with double masters i think mark gross what are talked about they kind of were like from on high we're like hey make another master set because those make us a lot of money and they were like whoa uh, all right we'll pull out this old file and like make this real quick like how much of it do you think is wizards is just making so many products these days that the quality control is kind of slipping like you'd have to imagine they intended to put wizards logos on the packaging so they couldn't be resealed because they do that with all their products you'd have to imagine like I don't know, their communication would be better and they would tell people the right thing up front rather than having to say the wrong thing and walk it back. How much of it do you think is them just being like overworked and trying to do too much? I definitely think that could play into it, right? Like, I mean, I I don't know how big is the team for the quality control, right? I mean, if they're doing this much product, you know, like maybe this first year is, you know, like just their, I guess their trial run and hopefully they scale up if they need to. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right that they just did what they did for normal products and just increased the price, right? They did their normal process for a $4 booster and charged you $100, which is totally wrong, right? If you're charging $100 a booster, right? If you're expecting chase cards to be like $500, what are the most important things, right? You're like, you're going after collectors. You're going after people that care. The quality must be top notch. I'm not even talking about foils that don't curl. They should have went above and beyond and made like a, a new kind of foiling security should be paramount right like you don't want to be hosed by a counterfeits again we just have standard ineffective magic you know the little foil seal thing and then also the boxes you don't want them tampered with right if your box contains uh, a force of will you don't want someone opening that taking out the force of will in an urza's piece stealing it and selling it to you so those kind of things are like super important when you're talking about a hundred dollar booster uh, not so much when you're talking about a $4 booster. So 
they from the ground up should have been focused on these issues and they will keep making these products so i hope they get in line and kind of fix these things right like when someone's paying a hundred dollars they don't care so much about you know like uh the normal things a, a three dollar booster cares about right they care about security uh resellability uh lasting long like maybe your foils are fine today fine in a year right when i pay 500 dollars for my card i kind of want that right i mean yeah I, that's the definitely like like yeah like 100 percent. If, if i'm paying premium prices i definitely want premium card stock and quality on this can i play my cards at a magic fest <laughs> right because i feel like you can't right like I, I would never play a foil in any high stakes event right like because you don't want to get DQ'd, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's weird. Right? I got Why DQ'd for paying $500 for my this card. <laughs> and and sure, you could say, well, just don't play these at events. It's like, well, then why did I buy them? Why I, did I buy them if not to flex on random people? <laughs> if I'm going to dunk on you with a Thoughtseize, I needed you to see that it's the best Thoughtseize. I mean, isn't it abs- like just absurd that that's even a consideration that you would think that cards you're spending a ton of money for directly from wizards fresh out of the pack won't be legal to play in the tournaments that that company hold like how is that in any way even like close to being acceptable like i know this is something that people have talked about for a long time but you're right like can you play a foil fresh out of the pack at a tournament would you feel comfortable with that the answer is not 100 percent yes and it definitely should be or else something is very very wrong uh geez yeah i don't i don't know what uh, i don't know what's going on with quality control it just it really blows my mind when i look at some of my old cards where i have these random foils i think i mentioned this a couple weeks ago just like sitting in boxes that are 20 years old now and they're perfectly straight but so you know wizards has the ability to do it they could do it if they wanted to it's not like there's some new company that is like figuring this out as they go along they've been doing this for 26 years if they wanted to make your foils not curl you gotta think that they could make your foils not curl but they just keep choosing not to they make them curl so you buy new ones. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so it's, it's like how your cards like, have a lifespan. All exactly. Right, cool. It's like how your stove dies in like five years so you buy new ones. <laughs> Gotta go right? replace yeah. them. <laughs> That's such a bad idea. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, we know they're going to keep making these products because they are making tons of money and. I hope they keep making them because they are decreasing the prices of cards people need to play the game, but they really need to uh, to hammer this stuff out because outside of the set itself, I think it's fair to consider all the non-set aspects of Double Masters more or less a disaster, like at least from my perspective. So hopefully they can uh, iron that stuff out by the time we get to Commander Legends and whatever the next master set that I'm sure is probably already in design by now that we'll be getting at some point. All right, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about competitive formats. We talked about Amiket Remastered. We talked about Double Masters. Our last big topic was New Standard and New Pioneer. So last week on the podcast, you got our initial reactions to the huge VNR, uh, Standard to Fairies and Wilderness Wrecks, Grow Spirals, Calder Familiars, Pioneer hitting Inverters and Lotus Breaches and Heliods and Kethises. Now we're a week in the future. The ban list was implemented last Monday. We've had an entire week of playing the format. Uh, what is your guys' initial impressions been of these formats post-banning? Let's start with Standard. Uh, where are you at with Standard now that you've had a week to play it since the huge BNR update? So, Krim, you missed my story, but <laughs> I was playing Standard this week, and I was getting dumped on by Uro. 
so yeah. much that I'm like, wait a minute, what was on the ban list again? How come I feel like nothing has changed? And I pulled off the standard ban list for a second <laughs> to confirm what was banned because it felt like we just rolled back like one or two standards. Um, you know, the standard where Team Rec wasn't dominating uh, because I'm just playing against the same stuff like mono red, mono black, some Uro stuff. It feels like the Uro decks traded out Growth Spiral for just like removal. So you're kind of out the same, like they spend a turn removing your creature, uh, you're back a turn, and then the same stuff happens with like Nissa, Crassus, Uro. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure how Uro escaped the bannings, but uh, still here, still good. Yep. And that's pretty much where it's at, right? I mean, it's like, okay, cool. So there's no growth spiral. Oh no, we just have to wait another turn to Uro and then keep doing this. And then on top of that, like, you know, like there, there's just, once again, the mana doubling. That's just been the whole issues in standard. I like standards biggest, like once we, now we've got what, like eight sets or something like that. The biggest issue is very apparent. The uh, way you can cheat on mana and like play things ahead of curve, like is, is insane, right? Like I've, I've, I, I don't think I've ever, like, won after letting them untap with Anissa, right? Like, like it's just, like, ridiculous. We have this, we have Uro, and then it just goes into a Hydroid Crisis, and then it's just like, oh, man, it feels so bad. Like, I I, I think it's actually just, like, it's standards easily, like, the most unplayable it's been for me <laughs> in, in years, right? I mean, like, like, it's just ridiculous how much the, like, how much mana, like, doubling there is and, like, ways to cheat. Interesting. So, uh, do you think the format for you, Grim, has improved at all with the bannings, or you think it's uh, for you it's been just it's as the same bad as thing. it was before? Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, cool, I can interact on your turn, but does that matter? Huh. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I've, I haven't found anything that has made it that much better. I mean, like, do, there's a lot of things that still can't exist. Like, does mid range exist? No. Like, there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can aggro exist? Not really. I mean, like, Mono Red is better, but, like, th they're still, like, okay, cool. Well, they've, they've got Anissa, and they can untap, and as weird as it sounds, Mo like, aggro should be what's punishing ramp, right? But, like, it isn't. It, it can't, because, like, an untapped Nissa means a huge crisis, a bunch of 3-3 three, three vigilant haste beat-down creatures, and it's just, like, all your creatures, like, Red Deck, get, like, dunked on, because they're 3-3s, three right? And you're, like, playing a bunch of 1-1s. One like, cool cavalcade deck, I guess. We actually have data for this, right? Because so, Red Bull Untapped Four happened uh, this weekend using the the new post ban standard. Twenty percent Saltai Ramp, uh, eleven percent Teamer Adventures, and then seven percent Mono Red, six percent Teamer Elementals. If you look at the top eight, five of eight decks were Saltai Ramp. If you look at the top four, all four decks were Saltai Ramp. Hence, the winner was also <laughs> also Saltai Ramp. Uh, so we actually do have some data to back some of this up. It is not, uh, an overwhelming share of the, the metagame, at least for this one tournament, which had about like 1200 decks or 1200 people. Uh, but it did kind of just steamroll the field and populate the top eight and win the tournament. Yeah. yeah like, and th that's why it just hasn't felt any different than what it was before. Right. I mean, like, it's just like, cool, more of the same old. So I'll say that I feel like standard has felt improved to me. Uh, is it? completely fixed i i don't th think i'd say that standard is like great or anything but i think for me i feel like it's improved because i feel like i've played a more diverse set of matches like 
Yes, the Saltai Ramp deck is the best deck in the format, in my opinion. Yes, I think more and more people are going to start playing it. It's probably going to start creeping up to metagame percentages that are not fun or not accessible, not healthy. But for the last week, I feel like I've played... One more month, Seth. One more month. <laughs> I feel like I've played a much more diverse set of matches, though, than I was during Fire Standard or Wilderness Reclamation Standard, where you were playing against the top deck over and over and over again. Yeah, you do play Saltai Ram quite a bit, but I, it hasn't felt like it's shown up that often to me. That 20% metagame number, in general, that probably roughly lines up. Maybe Arena might be a little bit higher than that. But for me, my experience has been that Arena's been more or less in that range. Maybe like 25-30% of the time you play against the Saltai Ramp deck, which is way better than I think what it was with uh, Wilderness Reclamation or Fires at its peak or definitely Oko at its peak. So I feel like we took a small step forward and... Fingers crossed that rotation will will help even more. Like, this Alti-Ramp deck does really get crushed at rotation. You lose Casualties of Four. You lose Hydroid Crosses. You lose Nissa. Uh, those are three of the key pieces of the deck right there. So maybe rotation will further improve things. Although I still agree that the big problem we have, still hanging over standard, even after Fire's bannings, Wilderness Reclamation banning, Gross Pyro bannings, it really is a, it really is a ramp. It's Uro, the other ramp that is just accelerating the game so quickly. Yeah, like, it, it just felt like, sure, we took out this card, but you know what? More of the same play pattern. So even though, like, you know, the, some decks might come up, pop up here and there, but it just, it doesn't feel like much of the meta's changed when it comes to play pattern. And that that is a huge nuisance to me. Yeah, I, I, I think they just violated ramp, right? Like, the, the whole counter to ramp was you let them ramp, right? You stop their top end threat. And then they just draw more useless ramp and you kill them, right? right. Now their top end threat is card advantage, right? So, like you you kill Earl and they're like, okay, escape Earl some more, right? And it keeps coming back, right? And then the somehow the top end threat ramps you, right? The, like the best thing you can play against a ramp deck, right, is if they have all of their finishers and none of their ramp in their hand right. when they open their hand, right? Now they're just like, well, Earl does everything. So I'm surprised Earl escaped the bannings. I, I wanted to give Wizards some credit. Is that a joke? Is that a pun? <laughs> no, no, they were going to test it, right? <laughs> Theoretically, they tested this post-ban format. They're like, yeah, it's fine, right? But then we see the results. We're like, did they test anything, <laughs> right? Was it just a bunch of people theory crafting, or did someone play games of magic? So, I, yeah. I felt like I, there's I been know, no right? play testing. <laughs> With this, like, it's so funny to me that, like, your deck is Simic. You've gone through uh, like what, like nine BNRs, and all of it's hitting <laughs> the, the Simic deck, and you're still the most broken deck. And it's like, what happened? What happened? A Simic like, game heading design. Do we make one too many Simic jokes the last time we were in Ravnica? Like, sorry, I will never make another Simic joke again. And the, the biggest Simic joke I've ever had is that I tried to play something that wasn't Simic. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. Like, Simic just feels ridiculous. Like, cause before, like, yeah, like you had mentioned, like, that's how you would get them, right? Like, okay, cool. There, there was a cost for playing all this ramp. Now there isn't. There, there's literally no cost. You have card advantage. You have life gain. You have, you know, ramp. So you just, the fun never ends. I mean, it is, it is pretty befuddling how wizards could overpower Simic this much. If you look at just the cards that are banned in standard right now, Agent Treachery, Simic card. Uh, <laughs> gross Once spiral, Simic card, 
Oko, Simic card. Once upon a time, Simic card. Fail of Summer, Simic card. Wilderness <laughs> Rack was mostly played in Simic shells. Teferi showed up in the Bant deck, even though it's not a true Simic <laughs> card. Like, it's literally like eight cards that were played in Simic or like blue green X style decks. And that deck is still the best deck of the format. Like, Saltai Rep is still, yeah, in my we're not opinion, even out part, of the woods. Like, how? When Wizards was playtesting this format, did they think that this was going to be okay? Like, what in what world did they have all these cards together in a deck? And they were like, oh, yeah, this this could be fine. Everyone's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We should just do all, like, like a no ban card list standard, right? Like, just, just for, like, a week before rotation, see what happens. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah. On the other hand... We had another format that got a lot of bannings, and that format was Pioneer, and I have to say, I went from not playing any Pioneer for months to playing a lot of Pioneer this week, and I really feel like Pioneer is fixed. Uh, I think that it's actually not just, like, standard fixed, where standard gets bannings and everything's new for, like, a week or two, and then something else broken, like, maybe the Saltai Ramp becomes the top deck in the meta and people hate it again. I actually feel like there's a good chance that Pioneer is going to be healthy over the long term now, with those decks being gone, I've played, I think, four leagues this week, and if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think I've played the same deck twice in any of those leagues. So, like, five different matchups every single time, which is a big shift from where it was in the past, and the degeneracy level is way, way down. Like, the most busted thing I've seen is, like, uh, you don't have a removal spell, your opponent sticks a SRAM and just, like, casts a bunch of auras and kills you, but that's kind of your fault for not having your removal spell, but it seems much more fair. Yes, Uro is still there. It is still played in a lot of decks. It is still... (laughs) the best card in the format the only bit of good, the only bit of good news i would say about uro in pioneer is at least there's a diversity of uro decks i know that sounds like uh, kind of silly because they're still all uro decks but really it's like niv delight saltai delirium there's dredge style decks there's a wilderness reclamation style deck so there's a uh. whole bunch of different decks that are playing Uro. So even if you run into Uro a lot, any single league that you play, which you will, you'll probably play Uro two or three times in a league, in my experience, at least you're seeing different cards supporting Uro. It's just that Uro is such a good card in a vacuum that it shows up in a ton of decks. So I don't know. What have you thought, Krim? Uh, have you played any Pioneer this week? Yeah, like I I guess I must be hitting the unfortunate pocket then. <laughs> I'm the person taking the bullet for everybody in the meta because I got paired against Wilderness Reclamation numerous times like, oh cool, I'm just playing standard again. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, it's like, I haven't played against Wilderness Reclamation once. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Know, I, pal, I your friendly neighborhood. <laughs> I should have been you're just taking all the Wilderness Rec matchups. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I've been getting paired against that all, like, like I played, like, four leagues, and I got paired against them, like, like what, each time, like, two of my matches in the league were Wilderness Wreck, and it was, like, almost a direct port over, except maybe they added, like, I don't know, they they added the uh, pull from tomorrow, and that's it. Like, nothing else has changed. And uh, if it's not that, I'm getting bodied by Nyssa there, too, because Mono Green Planeswalkers. So... Like, because the devotion game plan of just, you know, like, floating a ton of mana and then surprise, Vivian, Karn, Nyssa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that that's that's what I've been playing against. So, although although if it's Mono Green Planeswalkers, that's the biggest threat in Pioneer, I'm all for it. I, I, I still think that Pioneer's in a great place, and I think that I'm just hitting an unfortunate pocket of the meta because I feel like a lot of other people have had a better experience. And I'm hoping to hit that experience. So... <laughs> I'm just going to chalk it up as unfortunate. I queued up too early 
people were still a little too sad about the bannings, so they wanted to take the good times to pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> like, because other than that, though, if if like I said, like if mono green planeswalkers is the biggest threat in all of Pioneer, that's not the worst. I hate losing Anissa, but like that's not the worst thing that could happen. Although. May, it, it burns a little, it feels a little worse because we just got out of a standard where it's nothing but ramp, and then here it is, super ramp, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are still definitely powerful things going on, but I think compared to where we were, like, uh, a week ago, where it was all the combo decks, I, I feel like the metagame has drastically improved. Compared to standard, where, yeah, I feel like standard has improved a bit, but as you both have pointed out, a lot of the same things are still happening. I feel like Pioneer uh, has really improved greatly compared to where it was. Anyway, any other uh, any other thoughts on where we're at as far as competitive meta, uh, standard Pioneer bannings, any of that stuff, or are we uh, on to fish mail? Uh, I well, I mean, I guess like competitive, like I, one one more thing about I guess Pioneer is that I'm I'm happy to see that the format is like being played again like i think that's the biggest thing uh I, I i'm just so happy i don't have to wait like especially when filming videos and whatnot like i don't have to wait like five hours for one like match to fire off i have noticed that too uh i've played as i said a bunch of leagues and they've been firing super quickly the challenges fired no problem this weekend so yeah i feel like the bannings have definitely greatly increased interest in the format. Like, people are playing Pioneer again when, not that long ago, people were just straight up not playing the format, period, for the most part. Yeah, like, that, that was the most brutal thing, just, like, how long it would take for a Q to pop. And I'm just like, dude. But, like, th this feels so much better now. Uh, Like, I, I think that it might actually be, I wouldn't say fixed, but people are enjoying it again, and that's good. All right, Richard. Let's uh let's wrap up today with some fish mail. Take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your question on air. Uh, first question via email. I'm mostly a standard player and have been wanting to get into modern. What do you think the best budget deck for the format under $100 is that's not combo or a burn-esque aggro deck? I know the best budget deck is 8-whack, but I do not like the red aggro or combo. So that's so that's tough. Normally, I think the most competitive... Uh, if you're mostly looking to be competitive, I think the red aggro decks normally show up at the top of my list. Uh, so if you're excluding those from the list, I think... Oh, boy. That actually is a lot trickier. I know the we played a Persist deck a while ago that I think is actually pretty competitive. I guess that's a, it said no combo decks, too, right? No combo or aggro? No combo. Ugh. No red aggro. Stompy right. is fine. All right. I mean, yeah, if you if non-red aggro is acceptable, the Mono White Auras deck, I think, is actually pretty good. Uh, maybe that's a combo deck, though, to some extent, depending on how you uh, define it. The, ha <laughs> the Hammer Time deck, I guess that's also a combo deck. I don't know. It seems like all the good budget decks are either combo <laughs> are either combo or red <laughs> aggro decks. You have mid-range magic nowadays. <laughs> you gotta yeah. combo them. <sighs> First off, yeah, like even a non-budget pair mid-range deck, does that exist, right? It's, like, yeah. And it's even harder with budget, because if you want to try to play, like, I think I've made maybe one budget modern control deck in all the years I've been doing that, because it's very difficult, because you lose out on a lot of the most important cards, and those are cards that you really, like the Cryptics and Snapcasters, like, 
in an aggro deck, if you replace like a goblin guide with the next best one drop, it's still pretty close to the same. But if you replace cryptic command with the next best counter spell or snapcaster with, I don't even know, mission briefing, <laughs> like it is a ridiculously huge drop in power. So I think it's really tough to make those kind of decks work. I guess maybe, maybe Amiria. How about Amiria? Let's go with that. That's one control style deck that I actually have had success with in modern on a budget multiple times. The most recent version, uh, has soul harder in it. So you get a lot of blink value, but that's kind of a, a fun grindy deck that i don't think it's top tier but it's competitive enough that you win a bunch it's under 90 dollars, and if you like grindy blink value it's a lot of fun to play so i think i'm gonna go with that uh given the the restrictions of the question but if you're just a, a random person you don't care about the deck i think uh eight whack is definitely one of the best options uh class uh the Colossus hammer combo deck hammer time is another one of the best options so those would where i would look if there was no uh restrictions all right Next question. Al Geary, on the topic of the most recent bans, do you think if three fairy static ability was a minus one, he wouldn't be a problem? He'd still retain his time control flavor, but the player would have to spend loyalty to stop instant speed interaction. Uh, uh I mean, wait, so like you would have to minus one and then it's just like around like a, like of, oh, players can't cast anything unless yeah. it's sorcery speed. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's good at all. It would definitely right? make it a lot more fair. It would be a lot worse. Teferi would be a lot worse if it wasn't a static ability, for sure. Right. Because then not only do you not get the static ability, but you would have to choose between that and any of the other abilities. So, so yeah, I think that that would, uh, that would make Teferi much worse to the point where I don't even, I mean, I guess it would still be okay. Like, Reflector Mage is kind of bad Teferi, and that was still very good. So it might still be okay, but it would be way way worse than it actually is i mean right. yeah like I, I don't think i would play that to be honest with you because like yeah just oh. if it's a minus ability yeah all right if Krim's not going to play this to fairy <laughs> you know it's you know it's uh in the dumps <laughs> brian sharp was is arch arc fiend's vessel slash serrated scorpion plus witch's cauldron plus call of the death dweller lurus minions return a viable way to replace cat oven decks it looks like the right build could survive rotation uh, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the direction we've seen people heading is, uh, is shells along those lines for the sacrifice decks. Um, and they seem like they're still reasonably effective. So I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, there's definitely a chance. I think the lure shells get much more appealing with, uh, the bannings because a lot of those shells already didn't play Cauldron Familiar in Witch's Oven. Like, so you could already play Mono Black Sacrifice without either of those cards and it was already decent. So I think especially once we hit rotation and Mayhem Devil is also not in the format, which that's the main reason right now, I think, to not have Loris be your companion is Mayhem Devil is just so good in the sacrifice decks. But once we get rotation and Mayhem Devil's gone and Cauldron Familiar's gone, some sort of like mono black or Rakdos Lurisac deck is probably the direction to go. Does Croxa just like take over if that happens? Like I think like Croxa might be like really good again in standard. Or, like, good in standard? I think, yeah, I think Karaxa would definitely go up in value a lot if Luris becomes kind of the the main build of sacrifice decks. Yeah, because, like, that just seems amazing. Or, like, you know, Croxa, what is it, Village Rights, you know, all of that seems really powerful post-rotation. 
And yeah, I mean, once you are playing Luris and you already don't play Mayhem Devil, then your deck doesn't really lose too much at rotation. You still got to deal with losing Priest, which is one of the best cards uh, in the sacrifice decks. Gutter Bones is a bit of a loss, but who knows? Maybe we'll get like, uh, I don't know, Bloodgast or something in, uh, in Zendikar, Bloodgast reprinting, and then, and then you're off to the races. Like if you had something at that level of recursive threat and standard. All right. Next question. Lumen Logan. Long-time listener, first-time caller, do you think the devs are pissed that cards like Wilderness Wreck are having to be banned while Pressure Valve cards like Lavinia, Azorius Renegade go unplayed? I assume it's just too vulnerable to removal. Um, We have a bunch of like hate cards like uh, the three-headed dog thing. Tanaris, yeah. Yeah, but they just don't see play. I think it's because they're on a creature body. A little too easy to kill, right? A little, like, I mean, I feel like Lavinia is insanely fragile. I think, uh, yeah. And also just not, it's not even good, to be honest with you. Because, like, it's not like they don't have the same amount of lands, right, that they're casting their spells with. It's not like they're, like, I mean, yes, there is the mana doubling issue, which is annoying. So, like, but Damping Sphere would be, because, like, it's because, like, Lavinia reads that it only doesn't allow you to cast non-creature spells. So you can still cast creature spells like Krasis and whatnot. Yeah, I think I think it's a combination. Like, yes, being creatures and dying easy is uh, a part of it. And also, a lot of the hate spells we have are just, like, a little bit narrower than maybe you'd like, as you mentioned, like the non-creature spells. So you play your, like, Lavinia, but then you still just get, like, owned by Uros and Crosses and so forth, where it doesn't really do anything. So I think they're a little bit too narrow. I'm sure Wizards is not happy that they had to ban so many cards in Standard. Like, I don't think that's part of what their goal is when they're designing cards but at the same time i don't think they actually thought like lavinia was going to just be the be all and end all at stopping broken things in the format also it will be interesting to see how much teferi being gone changes that i know my feelings with trying to bring in hate cards against a lot of those combo decks was if they're playing teferi it's not worth it because they just bounce it with teferi and then proceed to combo off so maybe having teferi gone will make it a little bit more practical but i'm still not hopeful that like lavinia in specific is going to be able to uh, stop decks like that yeah i mean you're playing a two mana two two so you kind of just outplayed yourself like these creatures are not good enough like it's it's fragile it doesn't like slowing everyone down means you still lose right they will still get to their late game yeah uh, they have inevitability yeah so like i don't know it's it's got to be like a two man of four four with hex proof and haste and a hate ability or something <laughs> right like it's it's just yeah. not hateful enough yeah and this and it's not a good enough clock to where you can kill them either right like it'd be great if these were like you know like Richard mentioned, a 4-4 four, four. at this point now, it could just be a 2-mana 5-5. Five, five. Yeah, I think the best hate card is actually Questing Beast. I think that's the closest yeah. thing, where it's like a legit clock. If you play Planeswalkers, you're going to get hosed. But even then, it's not like Questing Beast was running rampant or anything. It's just like a fine card. Yeah. Bicycle. People posting double Masters pulls made me think, is there a difference between this and showing off scratch-off lottery or slot machine wins? New set boosters have no play mode, secret layers admit cards of varying value. How is this not gambling for kids? So, uh... <laughs> Alright, so do you want the, <laughs> the technical answer or the actual answer? So the actual answer is, 
there isn't really much difference between magic cards and gambling. I think I think everyone knows that. Like most people, when you're buying a booster pack, you're doing it hoping to get more value in cards out of the booster pack, or at least many people. I don't want to say most people. I don't know what the percentage is, but yes. So there is definitely a gambling aspect. There is no doubt about that. On the other hand, where there is kind of a technical difference, uh, especially from Wizard's perspective, is your uh, is what wizard's argument is is that all cards are worth the same and then the secondary market does what they want when you buy a booster pack you know you get 10 commons three uncommons a rare that has a one in eight shot of being upgraded to a mythic so that's what you're buying you're buying uh that breakdown of cards and you get that from every pack whether your rare is a you know hundred dollar jason mind sculptor or a you know one dollar geth you're still getting that mythic rare out of your pack or that rare out of your pack so from that perspective it's not really gambling or at least that's what wizards would argue i think the other slight difference is you do always get something and i think that might be my personal biggest argument yes it's obviously gambling to some extent but when you buy a scratch off and you lose you spent two dollars and you got zero dollars or five dollars and you got zero dollars when you buy a magic card you still got 15 magic cards that you can put in your decks and play games with and get value out of so you are always getting what wizards promised to give you out of the pack which is 15 magic cards the price is that's none of wizards concern would be their argument i do have to say never look at social media when rng loot is involved like anytime there's a game where there's like a perfect item or a perfect outcome that's related to rng anytime you see social media you see like the one in 10 billion chance and like it's flooded with that right like the top page of reddit will be like oh look what i got like quadruple force of will or something uh in my four packs right and you're like okay i probably have a better chance of being struck by lightning 10 times today <laughs> than that but that's all you see right you don't see the thousands and thousands of people that opened their Urzas, whatever, chucked their cards out the window and cried, right? They don't go post on social media. I, so. I was so scared when I opened mine because, yeah, like, I I had the power plant, right? And I was like, oh, thank gosh, a Cyclonic Rift. I thought I was going to kill that. <laughs> I was sweating it. I was seriously sweating it. And, and yeah, like... Like th- that, like Richard had said, like when you see these these posts, obviously that no one wants to post their like ah darn <laughs> double expedition map. Right? I mean, they could if they like for the memes. Like I would post that because it's funny, but most majority of people will not post stuff like that. They're gonna post the sick pools, right? Yeah, like ten out of ten people will post their four force of wills. One out of ten people might post their double expedition map meme. That's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> Check it out. Who wants these expo maps? <laughs> please take them off my hand. I feel real bad. Uh, <laughs> last question. Q dig with paper magic being non-existent for months and for the foreseeable future. What is setting card prices? It can't be demand, can it? I can understand EDH. demand for turtle formats, but not standard. It's EDH. EDH now will be the, the carry. Like, we'll like put all the formats and all of paper magic on its back and hard carry. This is exactly, uh, I, I think that, at least in my opinion, maybe maybe I'm wrong and maybe like randomly it's modern or something like that, just keeping the world <laughs> alive. But like, I, I just don't see that happening, right? I mean, it has to be EDH. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think that it is primarily EDH and then to a lesser extent, non-standard formats that are keeping card prices going. And uh, I think that also to some extent, people 
some people just like magic cards and people like collecting magic cards. And I think people assume that eventually they're going to be able to play paper magic tournaments again. So I can still see the appeal of opening a box of double masters or opening a box of Ikoria. And maybe there's even to some extent like counterintuitively more of an appeal. If you're stuck at home and you can't do the thing you love, which is go out and play magic. Maybe it's sort of like a, a comfort food buy to some extent where you're like, well, yeah, like everything is like pretty messed up right now. I can't go play magic, but at least I can crack open some packs of double masters or of course at 20, 2021 or whatever but i think is definitely the the big one vegas is probably not the place you want to be right now because of you know the pandemic and it's super crowded so to get your gambling fix you buy double masters at home legal and all (laughs) yeah pretty much vegas (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i'm actually surprised so many people still buy cars like even for EDH, like how many games of EDH are you playing? <laughs> like, are, are people playing more EDH than ever now, even during the yeah. pandemic? Or? Well, because it's the only thing you can, only format you can play, right? And like, when we're not able to social, be social and hang out with friends, you know, like I'm not exactly looking to like, oh, like, oh, op- turn on my camera and play some pickup games of modern, right? There's no reason to be playing that, right? I mean, for competitive stuff, if I can't play it online and there's no like trophy or, you know, like rewards attached to it, obviously or rank or whatever i'd rather just play a game that is fun right and like edh is just that fun right i, I love that and it's a multiplayer game so why not because I, I there i also do think that like you know because of where we are with the pandemic it, it does affect the cards i do buy like i i love and i absolutely want an excuse to buy that thought sees box topper but like first off, I you, you can't play that anywhere. Like and playing that in EDH, like sick meme, right? Like like why would I play Thoughtseize? <laughs> so so like yeah, like I I also think that I'm surprised that some cards have also dipped a little. I don't know if you've seen this, but some cards have dipped a little, right? In in value and 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 they're not reprinted or anything like that. And I wonder if that plays into that same you know that same mentality. Like it like you know like cards have tanked because competitive play for the card has gone down. Yeah. All right. So thank you to everyone who sent their questions in. If you have questions, you can send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 289 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Krim, thanks to, for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a wonderful week. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.